I'm Paul Blackthorne and you're listening to The Flash Podcast. Welcome back to The Flash Podcast, your podcast that is dedicated to CW's hit show, The Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen slash The Flash. I'm one of your hosts, Andy B, and um, this week Scott is not with us again. He is uh, getting some rest after the craziness that was Star Wars Celebration Anaheim last weekend, so he will be back next week. But I am joined by a very special guest. She is, she's been on the podcast before. She was, she was actually our first guest in Season 1, and she is now one of the hosts of Supergirl Radio, the internet's first and amazing Supergirl podcast for the new Supergirl TV show on CBS coming to you this fall. And she is Rebecca Johnson. So Rebecca, welcome back to the Flash podcast. Well, thanks, Andy. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you back, especially because, well, this episode is featuring one of our favorite characters from Arrow, which is <laughs> yes. Laurel Lance. And, yes. um and you know, and also, of course, you know, we love the Flash, so so it's kind of like the best of <laughs> worlds. I'm I'm enjoying these small Flash Arrow crossovers where you know the characters that didn't get to do much in the in the first crossover in December gets to now come over to the Flash and have some fun too, and so because uh, we like that stuff, don't we? <laughs> Yeah, it was a uh, it was great to see Laurel get some time to kind of play in a, a friendlier atmosphere and a brighter atmosphere. So it was fun to see that different side of her. Exactly. Uh, before we get to you know the the brief news that we have this week, I um, just want to ask you a little quickly because you know last time and it's kind of funny when we first you know when we first did that episode in the fall, you and I had ju- and people doesn't know that we had just started talking about you hosting Supergirl Radio, so like now you're back and you've done 11 episodes of Supergirl Radio, and just talk a little about that experience, you know, with your co-host, Teresa, who we're going to try and have on the show very soon, so you know, just talk about like what it's been like to host, um, you know, a DC podcast. It's hard to believe it's been 11 episodes already. Uh, it's been really fun. We've gotten a chance to read comics and watch animated shows and animated movies. And we talked a little bit about Smallville. And so it's been really fun to dive into the Supergirl mythos and the character and see all of the different variations from the live action stuff, like with Helen Slater to, to all of the animated stuff in the comics, just to see the variations on the character and actually also see what remains the same throughout all of the different versions. So I've been having a really good time with it because there are a lot of comics that I haven't read. And so this is a good opportunity for me to crack those open and uh, enjoy some new stories. And what has it been like working with Teresa who, you know, who, you know, every time I listen to that show, you guys are just 
you guys seem to have the greatest time in the world. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of you guys. <laughs> yeah, Teresa's really fun, and she has a lot of great insights. And I think she brings a lot to the table that I probably wouldn't be able to bring. So I think it's good to have that counterbalance and a, a different viewpoint. And so uh, she's been really great. And we've had a, a lot of fun with all the different guests that we brought on. So it's uh, it's been good. I can't wait to continue doing more episodes. Fantastic. And we will, of course, we will bring up Supergirl Radio towards the end of uh, what's coming up on that show. But uh, as we get to the new section, there's not, you know, we're starting to kind of get wrapped up with the season. So there's not a lot of news, but there is some other news for Flash slash Arrow related projects, including the upcoming spin-off show that they're developing, the, the untitled Arrow slash The Flash superhero team-up spin-off show. Try to say that five times quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there was something very interesting that came out yesterday at the time of recording. Um, Variety had a little interesting article about international TV sales, which, you know, who doesn't love themselves a good article about international TV sales? And <laughs> they were talking about you know new shows that were in development. They're talking about old shows as well. But there's a specific snippet that people caught a lot of attention to. And our good friends over at GreenerTV.com um, noticed this. And they put up an article on GreenerTV.com, which you can head over to right now and um, and follow along where they where he, where he used um this quote from the article where it says with MIP TV wrapped the focus the, the focus now shifts to the LA screenings in, in May. Big product suppliers were using MIP TV to talk to LA screenings bows that include in terms of shows attracting attention for one of us in international T V department I think uh, Supergirl for CBS Blind Spot for NBC and Legends of Tomorrow for CW and then they talk about some other shows. Uh, but Legends of Tomorrow for CW. Now, this past week, John with a ship, uh, who played Henry Allen on The Flash, he had been at a convention. I'm forgetting right now where it was, but they talked about, he talked about that regarding the spin up and referring to it as Legends. So that's where it all started. Oh. Then, then I, I think it was either the same day or at least the same weekend when David Ramsey apparently, I saw someone tweet about it and he also referred to it as Legends. And I think it was Calgary Expo. Listeners, if I'm incorrect, please feel free to correct me because I'm not sure where he was. But yeah, they're, they were referring to it as a legend. So we were, people were starting to talk like, is this... Is show is the show going to be called Legends? Because this time around, the producers did not debunk that title because a few weeks before that, they had talked about it. Uh, some people had reported that it was it was going to be called The Atom, but right. Andrew Kreisberg he debunked that right away on Twitter. But they didn't say anything about Legends. And then this Variety report came out and it referring to it as Legends of Tomorrow. Now there's been some mixed reactions to that title. It hasn't been confirmed or debunked, so we're gonna put it as a rumor for right now. But it, it does sound, based on what John Ship was talking about and what David Ramsey was talking about, it's let's just refer to it as Legends. You know, we're not saying that it's gonna be called Legends because TNT already has a show called Legends. Damn you, TNT! And also, where's Titans? And <laughs> and um, is it Rebecca? Do you? like this kind of title Legends of Tomorrow do you like when it, it is one word titles or if it's you know when it's like long like this one I mean I would prefer shorter titles uh, but I, I think you can 
justify longer titles nowadays. You know, Orange is the New Black, How to Get Away with Murder. A, a, a lot of shows now are starting to have longer titles. So three words. Uh, what, what is it? Legends of Tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's actually shorter than some of these other titles for shows now, but I, I'm not crazy about it. I think it's it's kind of the best you're going to get since they probably can't do like a Justice League or Justice Society, something of that nature, if they're going to put all these heroes together. But I think it's sort of maybe is a good title because if they're putting, you know, Captain Cold and some of those folks on there who are villains and mixed in with the heroes, then that would sort of make more sense because you can have a villain who is a legend just as much as you can have a hero who is a legend. So I think it's a, it's a probably the best title you can get for whatever they're doing, but uh, it'll take some time to get used to. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I agree with you, Rebecca. I, even though we know that we can't have a show called justice league specifically because of the movie franchise that is coming up. Um, I think they could have gone with something like Justice Society. You know, that team always shifts. Now, I was talking to someone about why can't we just call it Justice Society? For example, you know, they shift members all the time. And I agree that, you know, even though it's not, it would not have been the team that we have been used to seeing, you know, before Justice League, I still feel that let let us from the TV world have a Justice show. And because, you know, they're not going to do a movie about Justice Society. Um, nothing against JSA. I love JSA. But it's just like Warner Brothers is not going to see JSA as a profitable franchise. Sadly, I think it would have been super cool to see something like that. But no, I agree. Legends of Tomorrow, it, I'm still trying to get used to that. I'm just going to refer to it as a Legends or LOT or whatever. But... Um, I'm just wondering who the big bad is at this point and who is the third hero. And that's all I would really want to know. Uh, if it, Look, they can call it Pink and Dashberry if they want to call it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if, as long as the show is good, then we're good. Um, although, if, if it has a good title too, then it's, then, then, you know, it's all in a good package. But Let Us Tomorrow, you know, it's kind of... I guess an outside idea, an outside of the box idea to go with something that is not based on a comic title. Uh, maybe this will be a new comic title that will be kicking off after Convergence. Who knows? It's, it's, it is completely possible. But um, I'm a little bit so-so on the title. Let's wait and see till they have confirmed it or debunked it. But you know, we're getting close now to May, where we will get well, you know. Supergirl Radio, we're going to get, you know, the Supergirl trailer, which I'm very right. excited about. Uh, Glenn, um, not Glenn Winter, um, Blake Neely tweeted tonight, actually, that um, about some composing for for, for Supergirl. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hear what that score is going to be like. But um, Yeah, that should be good. But, uh, but let's get into this week's episode of The Flash called who is Harrison Wells, aka a title that should a title that should have been used much much sooner, in my opinion. But but let's talk about you know one of the highlights, which was Quentin and Laurel Land on the Flash. So, you know, let's talk about them separately. What did you think about Quentin's interaction with uh, Joe as he and Cisco made a visit to Starring City to investigate uh, on the mystery that is well, Harrison freaking Wells. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was fitting that they would go to where the accident took place. Uh, the The accident that Harrison uh, had, the, the car accident, was around Starling City, so that made a lot of sense. And I really liked the 
the thematic thing they had going on with Joe and Quentin about how they bonded over having daughters and the way they organically wove into the story that these dads were dealing with daughters and secrets because <laughs> they both have issues that are going on with them. Like Quentin and Laurel have had a squabble about Sarah's death and the fact that Laurel kept that a secret from her father and Joe and Iris are, and, well, Iris doesn't know about this yet, but Joe is keeping a secret from her about the Flash's identity. So I, I liked that they had that in there because I was always kind of hoping that a crossover situation would address the fact that both Iris and Laurel are daughters of cops. So even if we didn't get Laurel and Iris interacting together, I, I, I enjoyed seeing Joe and Quentin bond over that. And I, I think it's hopefully going to lead into both of them having conversations with their daughters at some point about their issues. So I'm hoping that that leads to something that will fix both of their issues. No, I agree. And then also something that people were pointing out is that this episode does take place like last week's episode before all the crazy events that are taking place right now on Arrow, you know, with... Spoiler alert, Fia somewhat dead, um, Oliver now being a public enemy figure, and my Roy Harper not being on the show anymore. I'm <laughs> yeah. not accepting that. Um, so I, so it was an, it was pretty much another. Well, before all this bleep went out, then went down in Starting City. Uh, no, I agree with you. I love the whole, and that's the thing because every time I watch. Arrow and the Flash separately, I keep thinking, well, Quentin, <sighs> there's a lot of things I'm mad about Quentin, but then when I look on Joe, I'm like, well, he's, aside from what he's doing against Iris right now, Joe is a very good dad, and I feel that he, you know, it would be interesting to see what Iris would be like with Quentin for a day, and what Joe would be like with Laurel for, for a day, and see what those dynamics would be like, because I feel like Laurel would somewhat need what Joe is giving to Iris, aside from the lying part. And I feel Quentin, uh, Iris may, may need something from Quentin, and Quentin is always giving to Laurel. If that makes sense, I does that yeah, make no, sense? Yeah, no, I, I think having those different viewpoints was good in the episode because. Joe was able to give advice to Quentin. He says, no matter how mad she gets at me, talking about Iris, no matter how mad she gets at me or how mad I get at her, there's a strong bond. So I thought it was good for Quentin because he's been so irate in the last couple of episodes on Arrow about Laurel keeping that secret uh, from him and how it broke their bond. And so I thought it was cool that Joe looking outside could – or looking from the outside in, he could give him advice that Quentin could finally listen to. He would finally be able to listen to somebody. And so I thought that was good for him to be able to say, look, you know, I know it sucks. Secrets suck, but <laughs> you're her father and she's your daughter and you should patch things up. So I thought that was great. Now, do you think that in just, just a minor error conversation, do you think that, if we're basing this on the fact that they that this meeting takes place before everything that takes down in Starring City, do you feel that Quentin listened to this lesson at all? <laughs> uh, no. I, I think the timeline is a little skewy. So I'm just going to pretend that this episode is the latest viewing of Quentin. So I'm just going to hope that 
the next time we see him, maybe he'll lighten up with his daughter. Yeah, and because, you know, Katie Cassie and, and Paul Blackburn, they have one of the best father-daughter dynamics on television, in my opinion. I really, you know, whether they're fighting or they're, you know, getting along, you know, I could watch a whole hour of those two. And so, you know, for me, it would make my heart so happy if they could finally just, you know, they don't, they, you know, right now they only have each other, you know, Dinah, Ma- Mama Lands is in in Central City. Oh, she's in Central City. I forgot about that. She's in Central yeah, City. Yeah, that's that's another way they could they could bring Laurel back into the Flash if they wanted to because her mother lives and works there. Yeah, so like but right now Quentin and you know in Central City, Quentin and Laurel only have each other. So, you know, hopefully Whatever happened in this episode will somewhat start to take effect on Arrow, but um, but let's not let's not forget Laurel and Cisco. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I know you. Look, Rebecca and I, we've been gushing about this episode for like weeks on Facebook, and like all the messages I will send her. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised that she didn't unfriend me because I'm, I'm, so, I've been so raving <laughs> yeah. about it. Oh. I'm all about hashtag Canary vibe. Uh, but uh, what did you think about? Laurel meeting Cisco. I loved it. It's one of those things where as a Laurel Lance fan from Arrow, it's so hard to watch Arrow because Oliver's always putting her down, always telling her she's not a hero and making it seem like everything she do everything she does is terrible. And so here Laurel gets face to face with Cisco and he thinks she's the greatest. He loves, like, he's heard that she's been beating up bad guys, beating up criminals, and he is so excited to meet her. And I I just thought it was so great because I think that did a lot to boost her self-esteem and made all of the things that she's gone through worth it because someone admired her and respected her. And I think for the character, the character of Laurel, I think that did a lot to remind her of why she's doing this and and why she's trying to help people and that it does make a difference and that people notice it. So I I really enjoyed seeing because I felt like Cisco was me in some respects. So it was kind of fun to see his reaction to her. I I love the scene in the... um in the police station when when Cisco's like testing her apparently like, oh, well... Daigle, John Daigle, and all of Queen Felicity Smoke, they have nothing in common. Like, he was trying to see like how much <laughs> she knew. She's like, don't worry, I know Oliver, Oliver is the arrow and Barry is the flash. And then... Yeah, I, I, lo- I loved he was like, uh, how do you know that? Like, <laughs> he was really confused as to how she would get that information. And then she gives the best response in the whole episode, because I'm the Black Canary. And I'm like, I, I did not have a table in front of me, but in my head, I flipped the table and I said, oh, hell yes, you are. Well, I think that's interesting because I think that's the first time she's really owned that name, I think. I know uh, I know Quentin called her that. There was also the- Ray. Ray also called her Black Canary in the episode when oh, Ray was... Yeah, okay. Oh, um, although... Yeah, and I think Felicity did name drop her as the Black Canary one time. But I think, for me, this is this is the time where, like, she owns the Black Canary. You know, we get to see her own that name for herself. Yeah, and, and speaking of Black Canary, we, we get a huge upgrade, which I was... The, I had a few things I was disappointed about in this episode, but one of the things I was kind of left down with was the fact that we not, did not get to see her use her new K 
Canary Cry, which, you know, Cisco names that new weapon Canary Cry, and, <laughs> and Laurel is like, oh, I love it. And, like, th- those two... Carlos Valdez, he can click with anybody. Like, he, But I agree with you. Um, one of the things I... Because I'm also a huge Laurel Lance fan. I, you know, I've been defending her for almost three years now, and I... Um, it's great when... You know, someone like Laurel can get some appreciation. You know, you know, aside from Felicity, because she and Felicity they've been bonding a lot, and that's one of the great points about Arrow right now. But you know, Diggle has been kind of on her on her case. Oliver has been well, kind of rough on her. So it was nice where she could just be in front of someone that said, "Oh, I appreciate you. You're awesome." Like, can I have you? Art like all of that. Like it was great because. Once again, I'm sorry, my fellow listeners, but I have to say I'm the whole overly dark theme on Arrow right now is overwhelming to me. I kind of want them to go a little bit towards the light. Not like they don't, they don't need to go towards the, the, the entire light that is the Flash, but Stephen Amell has a nice smile, okay? So it would be nice <laughs> it would be nice to see him smile every once in a while. And I know Stephen Amell, he wants he wants that, so um, no. But it was great, just you know, seeing, and it was good that, and this is another good way of doing a crossover is that someone like Laurel can go to Cisco and be like, "Hey, you work at Star Labs. Could you maybe upgrade my tech? Because you know, she knows herself that you know she can't keep using, you know, round things all the time when she's out fighting. She needs something more practical. So it was great to see her, and it's gonna look good when she puts on, puts it on her throat. Uh, I guess. One way that she could, just to make sure that no bad guys are going to detect it, is that she could hide it beneath her, oh, what's her shirt called? Like, you know, when she, whenever she takes off her jacket, she has like this, it's almost like fishnet in a way. Yeah, it's kind of like a sleeveless blouse that goes under the jacket. Yeah, I, I like the idea that Cisco would take the, the, the round sonic device that, you would have to carry. I mean, Laurel's got those little pouches and those things on her, her suit, but it's not big enough. I don't think to put one of those sonic devices in. So I think it was really smart of Cisco to go, well, let's, let's turn it into something she can wear while she's out in the field. So I think that was really cool. And I liked that there was this like little musical cue, like a sound effect that came on when they opened up the, the box with the canary cry. It was almost like a sonic sound effect i i i'm hoping that it will recur like every time we see maybe laurel with the the choker on maybe or whenever she uses it i'm wondering if we'll hear that again because i thought that was really really neat yeah i there was also one point when when laurel first stepped into the station you kind of heard the black canary theme again so i'm like i'm liking that they're slowly starting to evolve the whole theme and blake neely who is the composer of well <laughs> arrow the flash super well and this new spinoff he's doing a terrific job and like kind of evolving these minor themes and then into you know these big heroic theme so um no i think in terms of the mini crossover i think it was a success because uh we got a big piece for the flash with you know harrison wells real body and laurel lance she got you know the canary cries which you know i think we will see in the finale i think you know because there's a because i asked you before we recorded why hasn't she because you know and like like we said in the beginning the timeline is a little bit effed up right now so um i was like why didn't she use it like in the um, there's a rooftop 
scene. I think it was not not the episode last week, but like two weeks ago or something like that. When she, Roy, and Oliver, they were fighting the League of Assassins and Maceo and then Ross showed up. I'm like, you know, if she had used that, like, look, then Ross would have been like, his ears would have been dead. Like, I don't care how many Lazarus pits you have. <laughs> yeah. You would have been so dead. Yep. And, and it sounds like Cisco gave her an upgrade. Not only did he make it into a choker, he boosted all the 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 device's abilities so no who it's you know who's who's to say that uh somebody would survive that in in an encounter i mean it it could be very damaging it sounds like it's pretty powerful now i guess it has to do with how loud she does because she has to put in muscle through her throat i guess uh welcome to yeah i was i was wondering how she would yeah i was wondering how she would turn it on and off I don't know if she'll have to scream in order to activate it. Like, I'm curious as to see how that actually works now. Yeah, it's a uh, good upgrade. I think this was a, you know, good, not just a good Laurel episode for the fly, but it was a good Laurel episode for both shows, honestly. Yeah, and it's more than we've gotten in a while, so yeah. I, was, I was pretty happy about it. Yeah, as you, can, you guys can tell, we're... We are big, crazy Black Canary fans. Like, look, the, the day you hear that it's going to be a Black Canary TV show, you can pretty much expect that Rebecca and I will be hosting it together. But, like, <laughs> screw everything else, Black Canary, here we go. But but speaking of more Arrow-related, so we do get a Green Arrow villain introduced in this episode, who, funny enough, he was actually on the list back in Season 1 for a brief second. Hannibal Bates, whoever created it, Hannibal Bates, why Hannibal? Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and he also known as the Everyman, which you know, honestly, one of the perfect metahumans to have on this show. Um, what did you think? You know, we didn't really see an actor plays you know the the specific Everyman, but we got to see a lot of other actors play. Um, other all some so, so many actors play Everyman. So, what did you think about the? the way they introduced him and how they played with him in this episode. I actually really loved that there was there was there wasn't like an official Hannibal Bates until the very end and that he was being played by almost everyone on the show except for Joe and Cisco. You got to see him as Iris and Caitlin and Eddie and Barry Barry fought himself and I thought that was great because that gives the actors something more to play. It gives them a way to stretch their acting muscles and to even, uh, Iris was kind of in an action scene. We haven't really seen that from her on the show. And so I thought that was really neat in a a very creative way to incorporate that ability into those characters. And I was thinking as I was watching the episode, especially that scene where the, the Flash is trying to catch... Uh, the everyman in the the crowd of people and how easy it was for that villain to escape him. Even though he has the superpowers, he couldn't catch someone he didn't know where they were. Like you can't catch someone uh, whose identity you don't know. And I, I just, I started thinking, you know, when people say, which, which, if you could have a superpower, which power would you have? And a lot of people say, well, I wish I could fly or I wish I was invisible shape-shifting is kind of an awesome ability. (laughs) Um, I never really put that into consideration until I watched this episode, but it's also an ability that can be very abused. 
And mm-hmm. I think you see that here with a, a villain who was using it to steal things and escape capture. And so it's definitely an ability that if a, a villain wanted to use it, it could be very corrupted and used to do very bad things. But I was I was kind of blown away by that. I was like, God, I never thought about that before. Shape-shifting is kind of awesome. You could do pretty much anything. Yeah, and, you know, it dep- and, you know Every comic or TV show or movie, they have their own take on shapeshifting. You know, some in some situations, um, not every, you know, not every shapeshifter can actually get the same powers. Uh, as I, I like that they kind of kept that in this version. And um, no, I agree with you. It, it's nice, and you know, this is something that comes a lot from me from the small days. You know, because you would always hear, you know, when the actors like Tom Welling or Alison Mack and whatnot, when they ever, whenever they get to play evil versions of themselves and whatnot it was you know stretching out their muscles a little bit and getting to do something differently because when you're doing a show for um whether it's five seasons or ten seasons you know you kind of want to do something differently throughout that's that run so it's all you know it's good from from the get-go that some of these actors got to do something differently this week and you know like you said candace and daniel panabaker they got to do some fight scenes and i you know i kind of want to see them team up together and do more action stuff now and uh, i think that would be pretty <laughs> awesome uh, well two badass women i you know th- i think they they would be a phenomenal duo um and kind of like the back on supergirl um <laughs> of, of the show in a way if you know what i mean um yeah there's uh, no but i liked every man and um i liked it i because i avoided doing any research on this character i kind of wanted to go in as fresh as possible and and like you said, yeah, shape-shifting is kind of abusive in a way uh, if you're on the bad side. So uh, thank, thank God Martian Manhunter is on our side. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I liked, uh, I liked how Grant got to play um, Hannibal uh, because he was Hannibal Bates looking at like Barry Allen. But, like, you could tell that this was a completely different person. Um, not only because he was left-handed, not right-handed, um, right. but it was like how he was with Caitlin, and he didn't even know Iris's name. He was like, "Yeah, that girl, uh, that, yeah, that girl." And um, I, no, I liked it. I th- thought it was fun. I, I'm not sure how the Snowberry, Snowberry fans must be feeling after this episode. Uh, I know some are happy, some are a little bit angry that it wasn't. You know, how should I say it? Um, what word am I looking for, Rebecca? Um, uh, well, it was it was it was kind of a trick, I guess, uh, for for people who maybe thought that was real. But yeah, I, I liked the way that the kind of the shape shifted fake Barry, even though it was really creepy to watch. I thought Grant did a really good job of making that fake Barry's really come off like a almost like a predator in some ways with Caitlin, like he was behind her and kind of, you know, just doing all these creepy things with her. And I, I really enjoyed the fact that he could play a a really sneaky and kind of gross villain versus the, the hero that he's been playing all season long. So I thought he did a really great job of playing that creeper version of Barry. You know, Grant, he's that he's good in playing, He's Grant Gustin is good in playing villains. Like you know, just just watch Glee, and he 
Oh, oh yeah, he he was ruthless. Um, I will send you a YouTube link after this episode, after this recording, and you will you will never look at Slushy the same way ever again. <laughs> um, oh no. Yeah, no, it, it, it was bad. Um, but uh, there was one thing I I did not like about um, about Every Man, and it was just one scene, and it's the scene when Barry stops him, like he he injects him with a serum. The effects look nothing. No, no offense against Armin and whatnot, but it just to me it looked a little bit a little bit wonky when he's transforming, you know, into Eddie. Iris, Caitlin, and everything like that. The the background did not look like it was fitting with the person that was standing there. It's like what I don't know. Is it blue screen or green screen? Whatever it's called, it it didn't look natural to me. It didn't look like they were in the same room still. And so it and the hands looked a little bit the hands and um it 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 looked a little bit out of out of sync. And I. I couldn't get past that, but you know, but I, it wasn't a major disappointment about that, but it just looked odd because you know every episode so far we've been seeing amazing special effects and all that. It was like that one shot. I, it, it kind of gave me a headache because, and he was only for five seconds, so uh, I'm I'm itching about I'm not, about nothing really. But did you notice that too? Oh yeah, well there there was you know that shot where it kind of circled around them and and showed the different people turning into each other and and morphing and seeing their hands and I I mean I I can understand what you're saying but I, I guess I kind of liked it because it showed the process of what was going on with him and how he transformed and so I I, I really enjoyed seeing that sort of slowed down and seeing how kind of chaotic that could be. Uh, going from one person to the other. And I really liked the idea of his ability to, because I guess in some respects, I almost thought his ability should be like, oh, he touches somebody and that's how he turns into them. But it was almost like he could retain somebody's likeness and sort of keep them in a file and then he could pull them up whenever he needed to. Like he's in the back of a car with Iris and Caitlin and he needs to get out. So he oh my God, turns into scene. a little girl <laughs> and and pretends to be kidnapped. And so that's how he escapes. Like I I I'd never thought of doing that before with that ability where he sort of just could pull it out whenever he needed to become that person. So I thought that was really cool. And I think that shot demonstrated what he was able to do. Yeah, it was just great concept, not as ex- well executed as I as I had hoped. Uh, but you know what? It happens to every TV show. Every once in a while, there is a little minor bug or whatnot. So to me, it just looked because at first I thought I was maybe uh, is this what it's supposed to look like? But then you know, I was trying to think back. No, no, it did look pretty odd. So um. But you know, I I like Everyman as a villain, and I'm. But you know, I do get nervous every time they lock up another villain in the pipelines because I'm like, oh my god, what now? Harrison Wells has another character and another superpowered figure that whose powers he can probably just steal whenever he wants to. I I think Everyman is going to play a huge part, not the character itself, but his power in some capacity. Well, I like the idea that his his story and his ability sort of played into Harrison's 
character because Harrison is, and I, I thought it was really poetic that Harrison was the one who was able to identify the fake Barry while he was in the room with Caitlin and Iris. He was the one who was like, that's the guy. <laughs> that's the bad guy right there. And I thought it was fitting because he's good at being more than one person himself. You know, he's he's been playing two sides of uh, of the same person. So he's able to spot the fake <laughs> the fake person in the room. So I really liked that. And I I can see what you're you're thinking about how it's dangerous for Harrison to have access to all these people. And and, not, not, uh, not for, for him, for, for the rest of them. Like, you know, the more pe- superpower people he gets down there, the dangerous Harrison Wills becomes because he's like, well, now I can play with this, I can play with that. Like, he, he probably knows yeah, how yeah, to yeah. take powers. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, uh, I, I think it's, it's dangerous for, uh, for him to utilize those abilities. And I, I really liked the scene at the end when uh, the Hannibal character is locked up and he's like, I don't even remember who I am anymore. I thought that was, it was sad, yeah. but it was also uh, very interesting that he's, he's been portraying all of these other people and he's just lost that about himself. That was a really tragic story for a villain that I actually felt for him in that moment. Was it just me, or could he physically not open his eyes at all? Because it looked like they were, like, completely, like, forcefully closed. Yeah, his eyes were, it looked like his eyes were closed. I don't think he had any hair. Like, he didn't have any real distinguishing characteristics of himself to identify himself as himself, if that makes any sense. And I guess in some ways that plays into the fact that he was able to morph and transform into other people because he didn't have his own personal, you know, his own personal uh, likeness. So that that was an interesting take on that. Now, let's talk about the big elephant in the room, which was Eddie, who decides to finally, in some capacity, tell Iris the truth. And he, towards the end of the episode, because, you know, they, there's some fric- friction going on between the, these two in, the, in this episode, um, kind of ignoring each other, giving each other cold shoulders and whatnot. But towards the end, after all the craziness, Eddie tells her that I've been working with The Flash. And now, what is, before we go on to this discussion, what I just want to get your brief thoughts about this asset, because there's, this has been a huge topic on this podcast and that is do you think it's on do you think it's wrong that what the what team flash is doing by lying to iris unfortunately it's sort of inevitable in these kinds of stories and i I wish that they and i think i said this the last time i was on the flash podcast is I, i wish they would let iris figure it out i wish iris could not i wish she didn't have to rely on other people to tell her things I would like to see an Iris who would be able to figure it out instead of having to worry about someone not keeping a secret from her. I think that trope is so played out. I think modern day times, that kind of stuff, we're not telling those stories anymore. I think some of that is so silly. Like, I mean, you look at Man of Steel with Lois Lane. They didn't They didn't even want to play that because they knew that it would make her character look stupid. And unfortunately, Iris has fallen into that trap on this show, just like some of the the ladies on Arrow fell into that trap, unfortunately. But I would like to see an Iris who start... And we saw... What I liked about Iris in this episode is that I got to see her finally, in in my opinion, finally be really smart. 
she was the one who was doing some investigating. She was looking into things herself. She was actually coming to Star Labs to help out and try to give them information. And I would love to see her incorporated into their little team because I think she has some things that she can offer them in terms of her journalistic skills. And I, I think it's just unfortunate that these writers have not allowed her to be smart and they continue to they they just make her look so dumb to not be able to figure it out and i think she's asking the right questions she's she knows something is up i just wish they would push it a little bit further to let her figure it out on her own yeah i i definitely see you know, I've been going back listening to previous episodes of the podcast just to, you know, see because Amy and Laura and I have been having big discussions about this. And I, I think there's been a lot of points this season when they've shown that she is, she's a smart character. It's just this situation is where she's not being done with justice. Uh, I still under the belief, and this is not me just trying to defend her. This is just me speculating. I have an idea that maybe she knows in some capacity that she's, just not because I, there, there was one great scene from small that I remember that I kind of tried to take take into some of the other superhero shows that I watch is that yes the best friend may know but maybe he or she wants the hero to come to them when they are ready to tell them their secret so that it doesn't feel like well why did you lie to me and stuff like that and all and I don't know I I'm a little bit confused too and, and you know someone who loves Iris was I don't like that they're that you know, she's she's a journalist, and like, you know, I know this is her origin story too. But I feel that I feel like someone should, someone like her, should know. And I'm this is not me saying that she's a stupid character. I'm not saying anything against Candace Patton because you guys know how much I love Candace Patton. She is phenomenal. I love Iris West. I feel she should be treated with better justice, uh, in terms of a writing perspective and. I feel she should know. I agree with Rebecca. I agree with everyone's been saying on this podcast. I've just been, you know, trying to be a little bit more fair towards the other side too. But you know, I agree. She needs to know. I think, I I think you may be onto something that she might know something because there was that scene with her and Caitlin in the car, and she mentioned something about. The, the the fireman or whatever she calls him, the, the guy on fire. Burning. She was talking about the burning man. Yeah, uh, she was talking about Firestorm. And so I, I started to wonder, like, does she know? Because I don't think she knew the... Does she know the connection between Caitlin and and Firestorm? Like, she knows the con- the connection between Ronnie and Caitlin. But I think they were introduced as, like, cousins to her or something. Uh, so I, I, I didn't know if, if she, if that was her hinting that she knew Caitlin had a connection to the Burning Man. So I, 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 that made me wonder if she knows other things that she's not letting on. Yeah, I, I would, you know what, I would be, as a, and I feel, the way I feel about Iris is how you, like, how you feel about Laurel is that I, you know, if they reveal that she's, no, and she's been figuring out these puzzle pieces by herself this whole season or something like that, or maybe something recently, I would understand and I would respect that. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, what the writers are doing is 100% correct in this, this situation, but, you know, 
having seen what they've done on Arrow and having seen, you know, like they, 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 they've done a lot of good stuff. I, I'm willing to believe that that this version of Iris could possibly know something already. That maybe she's starting to figure, out, okay, there's, there has to be a reason why he's at Star Labs all the time. There has to be a reason why he's always giving me these crappy excuses because, <laughs> <laughs> like Oliver Queen, Barry Allen is not a good liar, and. Uh, so yeah, I no, I agree. I feel the frustration. I'm a little bit frustrated too. You know, I, of course, I just don't want to put it out in a way where I'm saying, "Oh, I hate the Flash writer. I hate the show." Now, no, no, it's like I think there's a place, there's a time and place for everything. I think that people will be happy by the end of the season. It's just speculation. I'm not no inside sources. I'm just hoping that they love Iris as much as we do, and I and I believe that that's the that's the, that's the that's the deal here. They love Iris, and I feel they're. I think she, I think she's gonna surprise a lot of people, and I hope so my, personally. But I'm glad that Eddie told Iris at least that yeah, I've been working with the Flash, and you know I, you know I saw the look on Barry's eye that he was super disappointed, and you know, and I know that in technically it's not Eddie's secret to tell, but. But, you know, Eddie never asked to be part of this. Right. Yeah, I I liked that he at least told her something. Even if it wasn't the whole truth, at least he he was honest about something. And I I actually really liked Eddie in this episode, even though he shot some cop. Well, he didn't shoot some cops. It was the, uh, the everyman as him shooting the cops. But I liked him... All throughout the episode, I, I liked it at the beginning where he actually called Barry and said, you know, I could use the Flash's help. I thought that was really bold of him that he did not feel insecure about asking for help like some some other people on maybe another show on the CW featuring a superhero. Where, I, have, um, I have no he, idea what she's talking about. <laughs> where, where, where he thinks he has to do it all by himself and doesn't need any help. I, I really loved that er, that Eddie was able to ask for help. and And I thought it was cool that when I was watching that scene, I, th- I thought, Oh, the flash is just going to come in race, race down there and just catch the bag bad guy. And the scene's going to be over. Well, that's not what happened. Eddie actually ran after the guy himself and caught him and stopped him and sort of fought with him for a little bit. And I liked that because it showed that he was a good cop and he was good at what he, what he uh, was used to doing and, and doing it for himself. And, even though he needed the Flash's help towards the end, I thought that was really cool. And I liked that even though Barry could just go in there and get Eddie out of, you know, (laughs) help him break free of uh, the accusations that he was under, Eddie was like, no, no, we're going to do this the right way. I I don't want you to break me out of jail. I I want to play by the rules and, and play by the law. So, I thought Eddie was just all around great in this episode. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think I said it on last week's episode, but I'm they're using Eddie finally. They're finally putting him to because look, I think Rick is a great actor. I think that he's just been put on, the, you know, the in the background a lot this season. So I'm glad that we're finally starting to see him being used a lot. And you know, look, I love Tommy Merlin. I love Colin Donnell, but you can tell that the the Flash slash Arrow writers, they learn from their mistakes from season one of Arrow. I feel that because I got a lot of Tommy vibes in this episode. Not that Tommy was ever a cop. Um, that would be funny, though, uh, if he had been. But it was... I could tell that these are some of the things that they would have wanted to have done with Tommy during the time when he knew that Oliver was the Arrow. 
Yeah, and it definitely has to do with him knowing the secret because now he is able to be in on those scenes with the Flash and contribute. And so I that's that's why I'm like, oh, just let Iris figure it out because then she can be in it and her character will grow and, and be a part of the action in the team. So I, I think what they're doing with Eddie is great. Well, we did see some cool things with Iris. Um, it started out, by the way, when she, she was hacking, like, <laughs> she, like, yeah, that I thought was a little bit of a stretch. Well, wait a minute, like, wait a minute. Really? She, she's she's friends with Felicity. Yeah, and I guess maybe she like figured out her dad's password. She said she hacked her dad's computer or whatever. Maybe it was just like a, a uh, oh, I figured out his password, so, login or something. So maybe it wasn't but, like hack hack. It was like light hack. I don't I don't know. I it was just fun that I she. Yes, but if it's but if it was like full on hacking, I I do find oh, that oh, to be a little I, bit I, of a look, stretch. Oh, totally. Look if. She had said, "Oh, I hacked through a satellite one." I'm like, "No, no, 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 girl, listen. Yeah, that that's not some easy bleep you can do. That's n- that's no easy bleep that nobody can do unless it's Felicity, because like, um, there, there, you know, there's there's steps, but then there's also baby steps. So it's like, yeah, that would have been a, a huge stretch. But you know, it was. I don't know. I thought it was fun. I I I like seeing Iris. I like her. I like her a lot. It's. You know, there will be times where I sound like I'm trying to defend her constantly. But, you know, of course, I'm going to admit when I see flaws. But that's the thing I like about Iris is that she seems to know somewhat about her flaws. And, you know, she does ask the question that we're asking, you know, why won't you tell me? Why can't you be honest? And so on. So it's... Flash writers, listen to Rebecca and just let Iris know already. Even <laughs> even Please. though you even though you've already completed the season, the season. Oh my God, I just realized as of last weekend, Flash and Arrow they have wrapped productions on season one and season three. So, <laughs> fingers crossed that she finds out in a in a good way by the end of the season. Um, but and, I and and hopefully it's not because a villain tells her the secret. I would not be happy with that at all because that's already been played out. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some subtle arrow burns in this episode <laughs> by Ms. Rebecca Johnson. <laughs> no, but I, and the inevitable comparisons will, will come out. But it's good to have those comparisons, kind of see, you know, what is the other show doing and what is the other show not doing. So, but, uh, but as we're starting to wrap up our episodes, let's talk about that post credit scene. Caitlin was struggling a lot in this episode, believing that Harrison Wells was all evilly. Um, yeah, girl, there's his body. <laughs> she wanted proof, and she got it. Yeah, and oh my god, look, I'm sorry. Is it just me, or is it like every time Harrison is just looking at looking at things normally, like a, like he's not doing, he's he's not even harming a fly. Whenever he's just looking or doing something. I'm terrified. I'm like, oh my god, I can't be in the same room as this guy. I'm terrified right now. Is anyone else getting that feeling right now when you're watching Harrison Wells on the screen? Like him just sitting there and looking at the police badge. I'm like, oh my god, he's going to do something. He's going to kill someone. He's going to do something. He's like, no. He was just like, no, Joe, we should have a drink again. And then he- I got really I got really freaked out when we saw him at his house in this episode and Caitlin goes to his house and rings the doorbell and 
I thought it was really chilling that he knew that he should get back into the wheelchair so he didn't give himself away. And there was a lot of tension in that moment of him wheeling himself to the door. And I liked all the close-ups of, you know, the his feet and the chair. It just, uh, that, that made my skin crawl a little bit just because he's so devious that he knows he has to become that person again in order to pass this lie that he is this this man. So, I yeah, he does freak me out a little bit. Just quickly, did you ever see Tom Cavanaugh on Ed or Scrubs? I was a big fan of Ed. Never now, saw Scrubs, but I me, love Ed. Let me ask you this. Did you ever imagine that the, that the actor from Ed would terrify you this much on, uh, on a TV show? <laughs> De- definitely not. And I listened to his Mike and Tom Eat Snacks podcast, and he's definitely, you can tell he's a good actor because he's a hes a real fun, fun and funny guy. And so to see him as a scary villain, you can definitely tell he's a, he's a good actor. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tom Kavanaugh, he's, he's been phenomenal. But he was, yeah, I was, Kaylin now believes as well. So they're they're start, they're, they they now know that the Harrison Wells they're hanging out with is someone else. Um, now, do you think that you know, without them saying it, do you think that they they realize that that maybe even Harrison has been able to do some shape shifting, or did they just realize, oh, he is someone else? But you know, did they did they realize through what methods? Yeah, I don't know what's going on in their brains right now because they definitely have a body of Harrison Wells. So whoever that guy is who says and looks like Harrison Wells is is not him. So I I I wouldn't know what they what they think right now, but considering they just encountered a shape shifter, they could possibly think it is a shape shifter. So <laughs> yeah, I hate to be in their position because that would really freak me out. Yeah, exactly. But but overall, um, very solid episode. I had a few hiccups with it, but um, but it was you know a, a good episode. And I, I I think that as we're getting to you know we have episode twenty, twenty one, twenty two, and twenty three left. So you know, I think it's gonna it's gonna no pun intended, but it's gonna speed up a little bit. So uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's gonna be interesting. But um, um, no, but let's get to some uh, quick listener feedback uh it's it's not easy to say fast or quick anymore when you're talking about the flash and not trying like it's not supposed to be a pun Teresa, if you're listening i understand you now whenever you say super because she oh my god that, yeah. gr- that girl it's hard not to say it <laughs> yeah exactly super fast uh, quick whatever but we have a few tweets from our, our amazing listeners on twitter uh, thank you so much for tweeting in um at crispy forty seven, that was an amazing episode. I totally geeked out when Cisco gave Black and her canary cry. Not as much as Reverse Flash as I expected. So many great Easter eggs too, like the reference of Co- to Coast City. Yeah, that wasn't an Easter. That was a big ass sign at the beginning. Oh yeah, that was a reference to a uh, Carol Ferris from uh, Green Lantern. So I-, I was excited to see that. Me too. Uh, Look like Captain Lance got some. Much needed advice from Joe. Hopefully, things in starting City calm, will calm down a little bit now. Praise. Yeah. At, <laughs> at Eric Wilson A two zero seven eight. Love tonight's episode. Totally awesome show, and love how the story and the direction of the show is amazing. At Bryson B thirty. 
I really hope that Captain Lance listened to Joe. Oh, and Cisco getting his pick with the Black Canary made the episode. Oh, I can't believe we forgot about that. Cisco, in exchange of doing the Canary Cry, he gets a photo taken with Black Canary, and it's the most adorable thing ever. It's, uh, it's oh, that was so cute. I I was not expecting that because when she handed him the envelope, I had no idea what would be in it. And so when he pulled that picture out with him with the biggest, goofiest grin on his face, I it made me laugh so hard. And uh, I it made me think of, like, when I go to conventions, like, I, I go to Dragon Con every year. And so you can you can sign up and pay for pictures with celebrities. And that's what made... That's what that reminded me of was him. It looked like he, he was getting a picture with the, the Black Canary at a convention. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. Yeah, well, you you have a photo with uh, both the Black Canaries, so uh, I think Cisco might well, be able to I go actually have a photo with three Black Canaries. Uh, oh, Elena Katie Huffman. Cassidy, Katie Potts, and, well, not Elena Huffman, uh, Marina Baccarin, who voiced oh. Black Canary on Justice League Unlimited. So I, I keep yeah. forgetting that. I'm... <laughs> And now she's voicing Gideon on The Flash, too. And she's Leslie Tompkins on Gotham. Wow, she, she, she's a DC girl. Well, she's going to be on a in a Marvel movie, I think. Deadpool, I oh my god. Yeah, yeah. She's a, a love interest for someone. So, yeah, she's she's betraying the DC fold. No, 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 <laughs> I'm no, just no. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back to our regular it's cool She's getting a lot of stuff to do. No, I no, she's talented. She's super talented. Um at Sue Brody one, Joe was epic. Laura and Cisco having a thing going on. Yeah, I'm all about the canary vibe. Um I might be the only one. I don't know. Hopefully people will Hey, you know what? Use the hashtag Canary Vibe to support my new ship. Uh thank you. Uh hashtag Snowberry and Shapeshifting, um Sue Brody ended with. Uh, at Mike Weaver 800, I was so scared for the gang when they walked into Harrison Harrison's lair. Intense moment. I thought it was way too easy for them to get in there. I was like, Harrison, you need to beef up your security. All Barry had to do was like put his hand on the wall. I was like, oh, that was easy to get into. But well, yeah, well, it's he- dangerous now that they know that that's there. Yeah. Um, and then at um, Flashpoint. Um, Flash with an with a one, and the whole episode was building up to that one moment. It was worth it to be honest, and I'm assuming they're talking about the um, the fight that that post credit scene. So yeah, it was oh, it was it was a great moment for sure. Yeah, I I really like the idea that the heroes have the upper hand now because sometimes I think with some stories they will have the the villain continually win and continually win and the the heroes look like a bunch of dummies. But I, I like on the Flash they've they've given the the heroes a chance to have uh, a, a way to to kind of know things before the villain does and I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, I you made me think of uh, how I felt about Once Upon a Time in Season 3, uh, which is actually how Rebecca and I became friends. I was on the, on her podcast for an episode, um, but I remember there was a huge period of time where Emma and everyone, they keep losing all the time. Like, Peter Pan got away with everything, and then uh, Selena in the second half. Like, it gets tiring at, at some point when every week 
the the hero is just losing and losing, not getting anything. Like not even a step closer. It's like the the villain the the villain wins and the heroes take two steps backward. I I don't like that. And I like on the five they figured it out because you know hey they're all scientists. You know they're smart people. So yeah, it makes it makes total sense for them to be able to figure it out. So um. But that's going to wrap up our episode description of uh, Who is Harrison Wells? Uh, a question that will never really be answered, I think, uh, because <laughs> it's it's a fun mystery. But, uh, but Rebecca, uh, before we get to this question, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, uh, thanks, for, thanks for letting me uh, come on. It's been a lot of fun. No, of course. Look, the minute I saw that promo on at Paley Fest that Black Canary and Quentin Lambs was going to be on the fight, I'm like, okay, look. Somehow, I'm going to be able to get Rebecca on this episode because she's like one of the biggest Black Canary fans I know. I, you know, I, it would be a sin <laughs> if I did not have her on. So, um, no, but I had a good time talking to you about this episode. Um, but, uh, but please tell everyone about Supergirl Radio, where people can find it and what's coming up and how awesome it is. Sure, you can find us at supergirlradio.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we're on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. So if uh, you want to follow me there. So uh, we have a bunch of comics coming up. And we're going to just keep going with a, a bunch of animated stuff and some Smallville stuff we'll have coming up in uh, May. So definitely stay tuned because there's <laughs> there's a lot of Supergirl media and stories out there. And so we're going to try to cover as much as we can. Well, I'm excited for you guys specifically for May because you get to be in the position where I was last year of uh, getting the Flash trailer. Now you guys are going to get the trailer for Supergirl. And I'm kind of I'm jealous of because I'm like, I, 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 I want to go back to the time when like everything was still new and everything was like, like we still knew nothing about what was coming. So I'm next month is going to be very interesting for you guys. Yeah, it'll be very exciting to see what it looks like because we've heard some things and we kind of know about the cast. But uh, as far as the overall story and kind of what it's going to look like, it'll be really fun to see. Supergirl flying and and doing all sorts of stuff uh, with her power. So I'm excited to see what it looks like. Agreed. Uh, well, you guys know, just like um, like Rebecca said, um, you know where you can find their podcast. You can find the Flash Podcast on theflashpodcast.com. You can find it on um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Vine. All under the Flash Podcast. Simple as that. And uh, we're trying to get to 4,000 likes on Facebook before May 19th. So we're less than 200 likes away from that. So if you if you guys can please get us to 4,000 before the season finale, we would really appreciate that. Uh, you can find it on iTunes Stitcher Radio. Make sure to leave a rating and review and let us know what you think about the podcast. Uh, will be very important as we kick off our Flash Senegal Comic Con 2014 giveaway, um, the bags from last year. Uh, we're getting very ready now for to do that. So st- get ready. Leave the right iTunes reviews on well, iTunes. Uh, give us some good stars. And um, we're, we go live on the Mixed Radio Network on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Uh, check out our good friend Sapsway.com, the, stream, the, the stream.tv, um, as well as our good friends over at tfnag.com and Hank from tfnag.com he has an amazing Google Plus circle called the Flash Fans which we are also part of 
And uh, make sure to check out our good friend Mike Schmidt, who wrote not only the theme song for, for the Flash Pocket, but also for Supergirl Radio over at SoundCloud.com slash Flash Oprah. Uh, that was a lot of plugs. Uh, we're going to tr- make sure to try and find a, a faster, damn it, no pun intended, way to say say those plugs <laughs> in the upcoming seasons. Um but but yeah, next week uh, we're gonna have Scott back and uh, another guest. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. And if you're not sitting around for the spoiler section for next week's episode of The Flash, for our team members Scott Murray, Amy Marie, Lauren Galloway, Adam Holmes, Steph, and Chris Duker, I'm Andy B. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. And we will see you next week on The Flash Podcast. gonna pay for it i have to be ready to face him i promise you mary allen you will die then face me now help me let him go oh my god the flash all new this tuesday at 8 7 central on the cw and welcome back to the sport to the sports section of the flash podcast what you just heard was the audio for the trailer for next week's episode of The Flash called The Trap. It's a trap! And Rebecca, <laughs> our great guest host, is going to read the official description of next week's episode. The team sets a trap for Wells. Barry, Caitlin, Cisco, and Joe set a trap for Wells. Cisco uses himself as prey, which puts him in grave danger. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Eddie makes a decision regarding Iris, which leaves Joe a bit unsettled. Um, so, yeah, um, it sounds like, well, it sounds like a big trap for everyone because, wow, I, I'm sorry. Can they stop putting Cisco through all these, like, life-threatening situations? It's like, look, this boy has already died. Okay, only one time. Okay, technically only one time. But it feels like every week since that episode, they've been teasing, oh, he could die again. Oh, he can die again. Oh, he can die again. It's like, stop it already. I, The world needs Cisco Ramon. Stop hinting that you're going to try and kill him off. Um, I wonder, though, if... It makes me... Oh, Hang on. Sorry. Hang on. It makes me think... It makes me think of Lost. I was a big fan of Lost uh, on ABC, and in season three, uh, they keep ha- uh, Desmond keeps having these visions that Charlie is going to die, and so he keeps trying to intervene into his life to save him from whatever might kill him. But eventually, Charlie ends up 
dying because that's his that's his destiny that's his path and so the and one of the things it lost was actually that you know the 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 universe is going to kind of course correct itself and so they they mentioned that here on the flash that 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 was going to happen too that the universe was kind of gonna do it whether we liked it or not basically and so that really makes me worried for cisco and hopefully hopefully barry will figure out a way to stop it but the, them using words like grave danger in the episode description and pray. that has me really worried yeah that makes me really worried yeah, I'm. I, I don't think they're gonna kill him off. I think that would be a huge mistake if they did. I don't think anyone aside from Harrison Wells is gonna get killed off because, well, I don't want them to kill off anyone else. Damn it! Um, but no, I think no, I think Cisco will be fine. I think that the power of the Speed Force and Barry's super speed is gonna um, define whatever it is that the outer universe is trying to catch up to. Um, I know Amy. She um, did you listen to the last week's episode of the Flash Podcast? Yeah, she had a. I think that was the episode where she had the really good theory about like the the fringe. The, yeah, the like the she talked about the basketball analogy. I really liked that. Yeah, so it's like they're trying to catch up with what the other reality went through. So no, but I think that you know Cisco Ramon will live. Um, now. I'm not so sure if Iris and Eddie are going to survive their relationship in this episode because Eddie makes a decision regarding Iris, which leaves Joe a bit unsettled. Now, I have two theories. One, he's going to tell Iris that Barry is the Flash, which I hope is not the case. Uh, because, like Rebecca and I said in the episode description, uh, episode discussion, we want her to figure out her on her own way. Uh, I think he's going to break up with her. Hmm. He might. So, sadly, some unnecessary relationship drama. But, sh- insert shrugs. What am I supposed? What are we supposed to do? It's. <laughs> it's like well, really, there's nothing really we much we can do. We can just like watch it play out and then <laughs> accept it somewhat. <laughs> Yeah, the the description that he he will that Joe will be unsettled that makes me very curious because if it if it's just the oh he breaks up with Iris, eh, that happens people break up, but for <laughs> Joe to be but for Joe to be unsettled about it that's that's an interesting description. Yeah, I, I, from every dad that I've ever seen on television, um, unsettled is not the def- definition that I think of when I see a father's daughter getting her heart broken by her boyfriend who breaks up with her. So, um, <laughs> they're usually more angrier than that. Um, or but, relieved, depend, depending on the boyfriend. <laughs> well, they were a partner, so maybe he will be relieved in a way, but um, I would not be surprised if Eddie surprises us a lot in this upcoming episode. Um, I'm wondering what the trap is going to look like if they're going to... Um, like, do, I'm almost wondering if the wheelchair is going to be, after next week's episode, completely just gone. I think that after next week's episode, I think we're going to see Harrison just on his legs. That would be really smart. That would be a smart way to tra- trap him in his eye is just to take away his wheelchair. And then he, he's forced to walk and prove that he can do it. So, I don't know. That would be really... 
smart of them to take advantage of that. So we'll see what they do. Any any final predictions before we wrap it up? Oh, I don't know. I I I wonder if Wells will start to suspect that they know something. I I, I wonder if they will approach him about it or if he'll start to sense that they are keeping secrets from him now because there were a couple of times in uh, this week's episode that I was like, oh, does he know something? Is he hearing them talk? So that's what I'm kind of curious about moving forward is what does Wells know? Because now that we know that the heroes know, now I kind of want to know what the villain knows. So I'm excited to see the tension build uh, going towards the finale. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just concerned about Cisco because, like, look, I, I lost, I just lost Roy Harper as a series regular on Arrow. I can't take if we lose Cisco Ramon on this show. Hopefully, all shall be well, and nobody is gonna die, and everyone will be happy, and everyone will have marshmallows around a fire. Um, but wouldn't that, that be great? Would, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't so we're gonna wrap it up, but. Once again, Rebecca, you're always welcome to come on on the podcast. Hopefully, we'll have you on for maybe some summer episode along with Teresa because I, I kind of want to hear her um, what she has to say about the Flash. We don't, I don't get to talk too much about her about the Flash uh, like in off conversations. So, um, uh, hopefully, we can do another little fun Supergirl Radio slash Flash podcast crossover. This was kind of a crossover in a way. Um, yeah, we did our own crossover. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know what? What if Barry? is in the trailer for Supergirl, like Oliver was for the trailer of The Flash. And then, you know, you have to have me on the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. We'd love to have you back. Oh, Phil, thank you. Uh, well, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Flash Podcast. Next week, you know, only three episodes left of Season 1. So, tune in live every week. Don't miss anything. Don't blink. And may the Speed Force be with you.